Welcome to the show. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung, Allendale Market Talk podcast for November 2nd, 2021. Uh, we are slowly but surely winding down the uh, the year here, Mike. And, you know, as we do wind things down, uh, we can start to take a little more focus off of uh, U.S. Uh, uh, dealings and, and all that stuff and start to look a little more towards South America. Maybe we can look a little more at uh, some specifics within our own balance sheets uh, to see what uh, what we need to be looking at, what we need to be excited about, and what, uh, what concerns we might have. So let's start uh, with talking about South America. Um, obviously, weather is a big deal right now. What are we seeing as far as weather in, in South America currently? As of right now, not a whole lot. It's just been an average season. Uh, you, I've heard talk a little bit more about it and some of the potentials for like La Nina and stuff uh, going forward. But as of right now, it sounds like it's just an average season that's been plugging along. Yeah, it's a, it's. Um, I think uh, Brazil has uh, improved their soil moisture, obviously since last uh, last spring, where they had you know all the all the drought issues with uh, with their safrina crop corn. Um, which is good. Obviously, that means that they've got uh, expectations for a big pr- uh, production for corn and soybeans this year. Um, Argentina, though, I mean, from what I've seen, and I think uh, uh, you know, our, our meteorologist Drew sent out some information today saying that they've got some heavy rains that are due, and they're very important because they are still uh, on the dry side of things uh, in, in Argentina. So that would be... Uh, that would be something that we have to keep a close eye on. If those rains do fall, um, there's already numbers coming from the U.S. Ag, te- ag Attaché in Argentina that is saying 54.5 million metric tons uh, for corn, which would be a record for them. I think 51 was uh, the record uh, before. So uh, potentially, you know, record numbers out of uh, out of South America as a whole. Um, goes to the question of what's uh, what do we have to uh, be concerned about uh, as we see their production numbers uh, get uh, get better and better or back off is there anything here in the United States we need to talk about and it seems like experts uh, exports are going to be the big thing to talk about yeah experts will be talking about exports all winter long Good and <laughs> we'll We'll definitely be paying attention to that because everyone wants to plug in that, hey, this time of year, last year, where when we really start taking off and this market started propelling higher. But we're also seeing day-after-day exports at this point, mm-hmm. and we're just not seeing the same thing. So you do watch for South America's crop and seeing how it's going to develop, if they are going to have a record export, how Ukraine's crop's going to look, if we're going to see uh, crude stay at this level for the ethanol side of things. and. Really, what's going on with the demand side? Right. Because we're elevated right now in prices, and mm-hmm. we saw it back in, I think it was 2019. You went up, made that high off of the uh, wet conditions. You fell back after we started to increase the supply ideas, and then you kind of just hovered going into that January, February time frame, given we also had COVID that well, hit that year. It seems like, um, and, and typically at this time of the year as we're harvesting uh, soybeans and, and corn and whatnot, it, it seems like the bigger story is always soybean uh, sales. Um, 
regardless of whether you know how much China is or is not buying from us. Um, but it seems like uh, there's been a little more uh, attention paid to corn uh, this year because, well, we sold a lot of a lot of corn early. We sold a lot of soybeans early, but we're not seeing China at all in this corn uh, export uh, situation. Uh, lately, it's been you know Mexico has been a big buyer of ours, which they always are. They're number one or number two behind uh, or in line with uh, Japan, but. Where, do, what do we have to be? Are we worried that we're not seeing China right now? Is this something that we could start to see them come in, say, January, like they did last year, and really step up the buying? Or is this one of those things where we're just going to be disappointed at the at the end of this phase one trade deal, uh, and and then we're ho- holding out hope that we get some sort of an extension? Right now, it's something that it seems very hope-driven. And for people that have been listening to our show for a while, back in, what was it, May, China came in. They bought a bunch of corn. Mm-hmm. They bought a bunch of corn for this season, and they've been extremely quiet since. And we were talking about how it's very well could be something that they're looking to hedge their ideas of food production until they get to South America's next crop and just hold themselves over because that's – basically where our demand came from we had a bunch booked early on from china and since then it's been just quiet yeah well and and you just you mentioned their food situation over there and and it seems like um there's they are a big gigantic dumpster fire right now um it's they've got uh, they've got flooded out crops um, they're having trouble, uh, you know, they're telling, they're telling their own citizens, their own people to go out and stock up because there are going to be shortages. We already know the supply chain issues that we have here in the United States. That's the same thing over there, but they're telling their people to go out and basically start hoarding supplies for the next month or two months or or even beyond. We already know that they've got uh, these energy issues where they're telling people, you know, uh, not to use uh, electricity or they're even cutting off electricity in some areas or they're cutting off, you know, coal usage or, or whatever. So, you know, there's all sorts of problems going on over there. Is If you've got a, a production issue because you've had floods for now three years in a row in China, doesn't it seem like they should be coming in and and bolstering their their own reserves for a continued issue? I mean, why wouldn't why would that be a let's wait and see what Brazil does or let's wait and see what Argentina does? Well, it's not so much let's wait and see because they bought the product. So if it is something now, that it's just a matter of delivery, right? So okay. I think the bigger thing we need to be worried about is what if South America does produce this record crop and prices tumble, and China says, you know what? we don't really need this much, we're going to cancel some. Mm-hmm. So not only are we waiting for more exports to come about, now we're actually seeing potential cancellations, and we're seeing a big crop out of South America. And we have put this premium on this corn market that we are trying to prevent more demand from coming in so that way we can continue to see our supplies over, uh, over here. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of worry on that end of things, but they have – hedge their bets by buying that corn so much earlier on in the year. Right. Well, and they did the same thing in soybeans, and that's that's something that, you know, if you look at the 
where we're at for soybean sales right now, we actually look okay. But as far as what we've done during this typical buying spree type uh, time frame, it's been relatively low. I've mm-hmm. been mentioning that when I talk to my customers too. Is you know instead of seeing uh, you know a half a million uh, a half million ton sale, we're seeing you know 130, maybe up to 350, but it's not nearly as aggressive as it was last year. Now, obviously, yeah, they did buy a bunch uh, earlier this year. They started, I think, in fact, in January, buying the, buying soybeans for this uh, this fall delivery. But it does seem like we we might be headed up for some some export uh, demand problems. But you look at the other side of it. You look at the demand side of it for energy use, ethanol. Uh, bean oil or for biodiesel and it seems like that's that story is just all of a sudden picked up and we've got a we've got something bullish there so where where do we go from here on that that's a great question i think trades more so than saying it we're extremely sideways and there's so many counter counterpoints either way that seeing this high volatility sideways range could very well be what we continue to see. Beans are on this downward sloping channel, and they seem very well content to stay in that as of right now. Mm-hmm. We're at the higher end of that. Corn, on the other hand, has this very large triangle. Whether or not we're going to see that good sustained breakout or if we're going to see a correction back to the lower end is still yet to be known because like we were just talking about with South America's crop, there's so much left on the table that this could be more bullish or it could be more bearish but we don't have a certainty about one or the other. Yeah. You don't have enough market participants from the margin requirements in order to really get this snowball effect going forward that you're just kind of stuck. You're not going to have funds that really want to build a huge position from here because we're already up pretty high. Mm-hmm. And even if they do build a huge position from here and margins continue to increase, who would they get to sell it to once they say, all right, this price is good? Right. So you're well, at this just very – rock and a hard place type mentality yeah. in the market in the last uh what three weeks or, or so since we had our, our last usda report um corn and soybeans went into that report and i i can't remember if wheat did the same thing they went into that report selling mm-hmm. and sold off uh, for a day day and a half afterwards we come out of that we rally off uh off the recent lows uh 80 ish cents for uh for corn we rally off the recent lows uh in beans by 70 ish cents uh wheat takes off again we go and break ten dollars on uh on minneapolis we break eight dollars on some of the uh some of the chicago contracts uh, we break it on uh, the kc contracts um what are we looking at from a technical perspective is there more upside from a technical perspective in these in these wheat markets that could continue to help pull that uh, that corn along with it? There could be both today's price action. Seeing somewhat of a correction, somewhat of profit taking would not be overly surprising. It's going to be what happens when we come back to retest some of these breakout points. That's really going to be the key for if this has more upside potential mm-hmm. or if you start to see that falling uh, mentality take place because mm-hmm. we are seeing this world picture that continues to hold a bearish frame or a bullish frame and then you also have everyone talking about our markets and how they're so bullish because of all this demand but the problem is we're not seeing that demand here we're yeah. seeing that demand in the world 
but it's not coming to our market. Right. It's not even that we're not we're not seeing the sales. We're not even seeing the shipments mm-hmm. at this time, and that's that's a huge concern because we already know that you know we've done this what three four years in a row now. Russia is the number one seller of of wheat to the world. Mm-hmm. They they have been for a while. It's one of those things where we we hear about it or we start to talk about it in November, December every year where they're going to put a, a quota or they're going to put a limit to how much they actually sell or how much they actually ship for for their wheat or in, typically they call it grains. We already know about this. This is something going into the last, what, two or three months that we've known about that in January they're going to come in and put a put a quota on their uh, on their their wheat sales or their wheat exports. The crazy part about that is that should get everybody excited. Okay, great. As the number 2 exporter of wheat, the the US should should see that. It never happens. No, they're always lowest at the tenders. They're they're getting the business and to be fair, they probably do have a quota and it's how much you want. Yeah. Cuz they just are constantly under underpinning the market and we have gone along with this story multiple times and so far has not come to light yeah well there was something pointed out uh, today that i thought was uh it was interesting um in our office we were uh we bounced uh bounce ideas and charts and stuff off of each other and and it was pointed out that there was a um an evening star on the Madoff wheat uh, uh, contract. You want to talk a little bit about that and what that means to, and specifically, what is the Madoff wheat contract? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got your French mill and wheat contract. That's going to be your EU price movement, and right now that's where a lot, that's where a ton of business and where a ton of wheat gets shipped to. So watching those prices to give an indication, much like we would look at palm oil to think what will bean oil do, mm-hmm. bean substitutes and. Uh, complementary markets, you'd be looking at foreign wheat prices to gauge how our wheat prices should move along with it, being a very world-based crop. So looking at that uh, Matif wheat market, you had it with a evening star doji. And what that is, is you have this market that has been bullish, it's been rising, and all of a sudden it just kind of pauses. You see it go up in price, you see it come down, and then it kind of just pauses right where it started the day off. And the idea behind it is you have this market psychology second guessing itself. Have we gone too far too fast? Is all of the information we have in the market telling us we should continue to buy into it, or do I have enough want at this point to finally step in front of the market and say hold up it's overdone let me step in and sell it or let me step in and take money off the table Mm -hmm. so having that and that's what candlesticks will and should be used for is gauging the psychology of the market at the time is it something that it's a good strong up r and you have a nice big long real body to it between open and close or is it something that you start to see this second guessing come into play and you're starting to see those open and closes start to close a lot closer together. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind it. And what you're going to want to see tomorrow, if you're looking at the evening star as a topping formation, is what's called the three river, where you have that nice, big, green up bar. You have your evening star the next day, and then the following day, you have a very symmetrical down red bar as the first up bar to would the, be. Similar to the green bar. Right. Okay. 
Um, well, then let's talk about uh, something else. As, as we, you know, we're still talking a little bit about uh, uh, the technicals and, and, you know, what we've seen over the last, uh, about a week, actually. We've seen a lot of uh, early, early day session buying come flowing into, into our markets. Corn, beans, wheat take off. And, and it's been in other markets, too, but it seems like, you know, those are the ones that we watch the, the most. And what happens is, for the most part, wheat and corn hold their hold their gains or, or hold a, a decent uh, percentage of their gains for the day. But then the beans cannot hold on to it. The beans go up 10, 12, sometimes 15, 20 cents. And by the end of the day, they're, they're sitting around unchanged or they're even down uh, on the day. Are you reading anything into that bean, uh, that bean movement? Um, is that is some of that revolving around rolling from the November contract, which goes off here in a couple of weeks, uh, or is that uh, is that just showing some signs of weakness after what we had was maybe a, a bearish correction? We corrected uh, back higher after uh, selling off earlier last month. I think it has a mix of, and which every move will, has a mix of a couple different elements to it. One, you do have rolling taking place. You have November that's now in delivery. And you also have, which is going to be next week, the Goldman roll. That's going to be starting for these December contracts. Mm -hmm. So you could have a front run into that as well as rolling out of contracts for the November. And on top of it, we've had all these conversations about inputs, and it seems like on top of having that movement alone, you've also been having corn and wheat being spread out against the beans, with everyone expecting everything to go bean acres. Uh, with the same thought process, you would think that more wheat acres would be planted as well, but it doesn't go along with the spreads, mostly focused on the beans and using that as your spreading leg. And the idea of that seemed to be more justified today with the opposite of what we have been seeing going on which was beans being able to stay elevated throughout the day while corn and wheat took a nosedive well not a nosedive but took a move lower on a bearish spread throughout the market right so a couple of things that really seem to merge together to help move the market not so much for beans being extremely sideways over the last several train sessions mm -hmm. but more so for the corn and wheat markets so few things to be watching and we'll be looking at a lot of headlines going forward what's going on in south america weather technicals macro based everything in between so make sure you guys keep checking in but for this week for allendale market talk this is mike lung and greg mcbride signing off you guys have a great one mm -hmm.